welcome to another episode of Pod Club. The podcast where we dissect, laugh, and provide commentary on the insane number of podcasts we listen to. I'm Lauren. And I'm Brittany. And we're cousins who decided to take our views out of WhatsApp and share them with you, the listener. Hey, Brittany. Hi, Lauren. Are you just as excited as I am? I am. <laughs> we are five episodes in. I know that's right. I cannot believe it. This is crazy. <laughs> I know. So we celebrate wins, all wins at every level here on Pod Club. We love that for us. <laughs> yes. I'm excited that we started this. It's been so fun doing this with yes. you. Yes. No, I've, this has been a really fun hobby. I'm not going to lie. It was overwhelming at first, only because I had to figure out my schedule to make this enjoyable for me. But now that we've got like the first couple episode jitters out the way, I'm on it. <laughs> so actually, that might be something beneficial for the listener to hear. I'm glad you said that because I do think setup oftentimes, like just getting out the gate is something that's not as enjoyable as just doing the show. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, it was really hard because like I wanted to commit to it in the right way. And I we both listen to pods all the time. So when you presented it, I'm like, oh yeah, bet. I'm I'm up for it. But then when it came to like the structuring and the schedule, I'm like, hold on, wait, 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 wait. Let me figure out how I can make this work. That way I can commit to it. So since we've gotten a good schedule going, I think this has been way more enjoyable for sure. Yeah. I was hyped about it from the very beginning. We talked about it and for any listener out there that is thinking about doing stuff. I think the best thing that we did was to be transparent about what am I good at versus what are you good at? Where yes. do we meet to make this work? You know? Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. I love the setup process. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, but I had to check myself in the beginning, if you remember, hmm. when I was like, oh, I'm just barreling forward. I've created all these folders. <laughs> Oh, I've, girl, created, on it. I've created an outline. I've done all these things. I have this entire roadmap of possibilities. And I was like, oh, wait, I should ask her how she's feeling. <laughs> no, when I saw all those folders, I was like, oh, my God. I think I felt that way because I'm usually, I think I'm kind of usually the starter, right? So it's nice to, not to say that I was sitting back and letting you do it per se, but it was nice that you had already started. And then I knew what I was working with. Yeah, because I really wasn't sure. Like I knew we had the idea. I knew we would figure it out. But when I saw all those folders, I said, oh, bet this is going to be perfect. <laughs> <laughs> that's that. I, it's been a while for me to it's taken a while for me to come to that understanding that that is one of my strengths. Mm. Like if I'm given a project or some idea of some sort, my brain mm-hmm. automatically bursts into all the different paths that it could take to get it executed. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so I'm glad that we had that initial conversation. But I also appreciate the fact that when it comes to the social media. <laughs> oh, that, yeah, that's me. That is your domain. <laughs> yeah, that's me. That is your domain. <laughs> and one of the most exciting things always is like getting comments and stuff. And we haven't gotten too many this soon in the production of Pod Club. But our but... most exciting day. Yes. Was when we did, what was that, episode three? Yes, it was episode three. Mm -hmm. And we reviewed... Love Letters. Love Letters. With Meredith Goldstein, brought Mm -hmm. to you by the Boston Globe. And you sent me the screenshots. Yes. (laughs) I was like, so, you know, I don't know if you know this, but on Instagram, like, it has a drop-down box if you have multiple profiles under your login. Mm -hmm. 
So like usually I'll check that to see if I need to check Pod Club. And then I also have my business Instagram. So I saw like four chats and then like other notifications. I'm like, okay, either somebody's going in about King Slime or we got some attention somewhere. Girl, when I saw Meredith Goldstein, I was like, oh my God, I think we made it. Like <laughs> career's over. It's done. We got noticed. This is it. That was <laughs> And then so Kumar exciting. reposted. Oh yeah, he did. He did. That was so exciting. And I imagine like for Kumar, whose story was so touching. And if you haven't listened, go back and listen to episode three. But his story was so touching and his repost saying mommy is out here having people rethink primary partnerships. I was like, that is such a legacy. That is Mm -hmm. so sweet. Yes, incredibly Um, sweet. And I read it in his voice too. I know. Yeah. So definitely listener, go back and listen to episode three because I think that was our favorite so far, even though Mm -hmm. I I think we're proud of every, every episode. And I can honestly say, and I hope you feel the same way. I think we've gotten better with every single episode that's come out. Absolutely. Absolutely. I think that's a, just a test to starting anything, right? Like you get much better. Everything flows much better. So yes, I think each episode, and I think the things that we're talking about are things that we talk about all the time anyway, right? So it really does just feel like a conversation. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so in this particular episode, listener, there's a lot that gets cut out when we produce Pod Club. Brittany and I, we record for at least two hours every time we set up to bring y'all the goods. And sometimes we can get pretty deep. Depending on what we're talking about, we might even lose the plot a little bit. Yes, we do. So to celebrate our fifth episode and give you a bit more of the seven podcasts that we've reviewed so far, we've decided to give you some of those extended conversations. The podcast that inspired the creation of Pod Club was King Slime, The Prosecution of Young Thug and YSL, This podcast was so good, it's sickening. We got to a point of the first episode where Lauren asked a question about Atlanta that didn't make the cut. Yeah, but as a disclaimer, this question might come across as shady, but I was genuinely asking based on the info I had at the time, so not too much on me. Thank you. Give it a listen. Let us know your thoughts on this topic. And like... Okay, let's continue to talk about the climate. Again, we keep saying how good the podcast is, but it talks about, it gives you the the climate that we're in in Atlanta. And one thing that shocked me, because whenever anybody has talked to me about Atlanta, they're always like, oh, it's a Mecca for Black people. And no Mm -hmm. shade, when y'all say Mecca, what do y'all really mean? Like, somebody please write in, somebody from Atlanta, please write in. Please call in, whatever, and tell me what you mean by Mecca. And here's why I say that. It was shocking to me to hear the following in this podcast. It is the nation's capital for income inequality. Mm. Yeah. How many states are in the United States of America, Brittany? 50. 50 states. And apparently, Atlanta is the nation's capital for income inequality. So again, I ask, Mm. when you say a place is a black Mecca, How can a place be a Mecca for anybody when income inequality is the highest in the nation? Yeah, that's a fair point. That's crazy to me. Forget a black Mecca. Do you just mean that there's just a lot of us there? Because most of us live in the South. That says nothing. Yeah. But what do you mean when you say Mecca? Please write in. Thank you. (laughs) I mean, so I've not lived, my adult life has not been in Atlanta. But I could say, well, your your point is fair. Is like a lot of Black people do live in the South, right? 
Now, from Houston to compared to Atlanta, I will say as far as it being like air quotes black mecca, like I think there's an easy access to black medical doctors, black lawyers, like things like that versus what I could get okay. here in Houston. Let me challenge that though. Easy access for who? Okay, if you Google black doctors, I'm I understand where you're going as far as like resources access. The the when I could research black doctors in and I use a zip code in Georgia or Atlanta, like the list is pretty broad compared to what I've experienced here in Houston. They're here, but it, I feel like compared in my comparison or my experience, I have to like go through a couple of pages to find a black doctor. So here. I still feel like what I'm hearing is volume. Like there's just a lot more, yes. which is I guess by if we're going by the Oxford Dictionary's definition of Mecca, yes, it means where a lot of people of a specific group are together. But when people are talking about mm -hmm. a place being a Mecca, they're saying it like this is a good place for you to be, right? And mm -hmm. I'm not taking away the, the virtues of Atlanta at all. But when people say that to me, but the reality is the nation's capital for income inequality, I'm like, what are we talking about? And very specifically, yeah. the podcast presents that the reason for that is because of its entrenched racial issues. Mm -hmm. But we already know, again, back to my history podcast, and even before this, honestly, my dad. The, the South generally economically is not better off because of racism, because most slave owning entities, including those that are in South America, do not fare as well economically because of that system. So mm -hmm. I get it. But when we talk about Mecca, what do we talk about really? Somebody write in. Yeah, that's probably a reach. But hey, yes, somebody write, write in, let us know, because, you know, y'all might have more insight than us. My adult life is not in Atlanta, so... I, I can't uh, defend what I don't know. So. <laughs> I mean, I'm not, I'm, I'm honestly not coming for, I'm honestly not coming for Atlanta like that, but like, I'm genuinely, genuinely wanting to understand. Yeah. Yeah. I get that point. I, I get that point. I, and I think that does open it to getting more clarity on that because you're right. They did say mm -hmm. that. Now, did I, I was like, oh, I don't know. That's interesting. That's an interesting perspective. I don't know if that's true, <laughs> but you said it. <laughs> I mean, they did. Um, they did say it and they quoted it like it was statistics. So like definitely someone fact check me. Let me know if it's a if if your answer or whatever is going to be about volume. I get that. I get that. Yeah. So but if there's more hmm. to it, let us know. We'll play your voicemail on, on, on the right. show. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, Fair. OK. We've gone off the rails. I mean. I think you were asking a valid question in that episode. I'd be curious why people who are currently living in Atlanta consider it a Mecca. Uh, me too. <laughs> I just think that a place with such a skewed income inequality is not a place for anyone to be living, let alone us, right? Ooh, so yeah. King Slime took up our first two episodes and it was worth every single second. Like Brittany said, it was sickening how good this thing was. So this next clip brings a little levity to what is a really heavy story. Every now and then you get to laugh in the middle of sad topics. And we did exactly that when sharing stories about confronting Georgia courts. Yeah, we really did. Let me tell you something. I'm going to tell you, I'm going to reveal something to everyone. I remember the first time I ever got a, a, a ticket. Yeah. <laughs> the first time I ever got a ticket right I don't know how old I, I think I was like 21 <laughs> and it was confusing because I was trying to make a left onto like uh it was a multi-lane road so it was a it was one of those where you had mm -hmm. to go across multiple lanes to get to the left side of the road <laughs> 
And when I did that, I didn't realize that right on the other side, the bus, there was going to be a, a school bus that stopped and pulled the stop sign out. So by the time I realized that I had gone right past the bus, well, apparently mm-hmm. police officer was in the cut, <laughs> pulled me over and they were like, you didn't see that bus stop. I was like, I, had, I, I actually didn't. I literally just made the left and I was going too fast. And I slowed down the moment I realized, oh, shoot, the bus was there. Wrote me a ticket. Okay, fine. I was fine with that. But I had to go to court for this ticket. I had never, <laughs> never even set foot in a courthouse. When I tell you they were ta- they were going through, I'm like, what am I supposed to do? They were <laughs> they were going through and they don't explain it to you. Not in the not clearly. And mm. let's be clear, this was in Atlanta. <laughs> so I'm in court sweating. <laughs> looking around the judge is calling out everybody's tickets and their offenses and stuff and and they ran through very quickly like this is what this plea means this is what this means and I'm like which one because I, I, I feel like I'm not guilty like which one am I supposed to say and so I go up to somebody I'm like which one am I supposed to say because and I don't even remember what I said but let me tell you something your girl cried bro. <laughs> he said never again I'm stopping at every <laughs> I cried because I was like, yo, what happens? Because they were going to find me or I had to do a bunch of community service. It was like for a bus, bro. Like, and it was on accident. I didn't even try a high speed chase, like, you know, to to get away. I had to do community service for three months. So I say all this to say Atlanta is wild. (laughs) No, but you know, that's so funny about your story because my dad, your Uncle James actually got a ticket. This was years, years, years ago. I would never forget this. I don't know what the ticket was about, but I think it was like he he made a right turn and it was like a don't make a right turn on red or something like that. This man <laughs> goes to Walmart or CVS to get a poster board to draw <laughs> and the stop sign. To show the judge that he did not <laughs> like he literally had color pencils and everything. <laughs> I honestly, I would cry. I wish I still had that. But he literally came downstairs, very proud of his drawing. And he was like, I'm going to this like, They're going to see. <laughs> they're going to see that I did not run I'm not. Oh listen, I make no bones about it. That's what I'm not built for any kind of freedom listen. loss. I'm not built to be standing no. in front of no judge. I literally sat, I was silent. They said, you know, they called my citation up. How do you plead? And I just deer caught in the headlights. Them, them tears started flowing. Dude next to me, Listen. like, nudged me to be like, say this. And I said it. Had to go into a back room. So you know I cried some more. <laughs> Where was your... I don't know, oh, bro. This is Atlanta. I'm like, why did I need to do all of this? I accidentally right. ran the bus stop sign. <laughs> I had to do community service for two and a half months. That's crazy. Some of my favorite parts of the conversations we have are when Brittany gets to flex her PhD. (laughs) Dr. B is out here changing lives and educating the people, honey. This next clip expounds a bit on a topic we discussed in episode three when we were reviewing the podcast, Why Won't You Date Me? Breaking Up with Eric Andre. It's about getting your partner to go to therapy. And for the record, you can't make nobody do nothing. I'm not even going to hold you. 
we're not even getting to the partnership because I'm already know what you feel about therapy before you say you my boyfriend, I say you my girlfriend. Because I went on a date like earlier this year. I went on a date with this guy and I don't know how we got on the conversation of therapy. I probably brought it up. But he basically was like, if, if you and I decide that we want to be together and you come to, mind you, this man knows that I'm a therapist, right? And he said, you come to me and say, hey, babe, I, I think we got to, I think couples therapy will be a good idea. He said, flat out, I would tell you no. Let's just sit down and talk about it. I'm sitting down talking to you right now <laughs> and it's not working. So like- that was an immediate turnoff for me. And I would probably, and I could be biased, I would probably feel the same way if I was not a therapist. Oh, absolutely. Because you're telling me that you don't want to work on something. How do you, I'm confused. So if, you're, if your ankle is broken, you're not going to go to the doctor? Here's the thing. I'm confusion. If one person is telling, like airing a grievance and they're having a hard time understanding where it's coming from or workshopping it with you that means we ain't got the tools bro <laughs> we ain't exactly. got the tools i'm saying let's go get some tools and you telling mm-hmm. me no bro i will mm-hmm. get my own tools and 99 percent of the time at least that's all the tiktok therapists say 99 percent of the time that means we about to break up because <laughs> if i go get these yeah. tools and you're not with me getting these tools chances are i'm gonna grow beyond you there's either a breakup or my client stops coming to me see that's that breaks my heart they stop coming to me because they already know the truth and they're probably not ready to make any type of decision. But like they, they end up, they don't come back because they're asking me for boundaries. You can't boundary your way out of something that does not feel good for you. Yeah. Say it again. It, that was good. You cannot boundary your way out of something that does not feel good for you, right? Like, so how do I, how do I better explain or how do I get him to understand? And so I have to, I'm very careful, but I have to really say like, it's, it's a, your partner has to choose to understand. They have to choose to listen. It's an act. It's not, they have to be active in that role. Mm. That's their level of understanding. I don't think you can explain it any clearer. I don't think you can draw a picture. And if they're still choosing to say, no, I'm good, they've decided. And so even with the clients that I've had where they like, so what do I, well, first we'll practice, like, how does that translate to you with your partner saying like, I don't want to go to therapy? How does that translate to you? How does that make you feel? Mm -hmm. Okay. You've identified that. Now your homework is to explain that to your partner. Because typically you got to get on that deeper level. Right. Like you have to I, I would hope if a partner does love you, even if they're stubborn about it, I would hope if if I say you saying no to therapy makes me feel this, it translates to me in this way. I would hope you say that you care about me. I would hope you would be like, dang, I don't want her to feel that way. All right. What if they hit you with the I just don't believe in therapy like it's religion? Yeah, that's wild. <laughs> That's so wild. You can't see her that listener, is... but she's, it's like a face of like, <laughs> it's a face of mild disgust slash like, what is happening? <laughs> what do you Useless mean? Belief? I have had people say this to me as the therapist. Like, like when they come like into the guy... your office, they're like, I don't really believe in therapy. My wife <laughs> wanted me here. Nah, nah, not, e- not even that. Like, even dude that I went on a date with, like, earlier this year kind of said something similar. And I'm like, well, damn. Now, what do I look like? Boo-boo the fool? Am I a fairy? <laughs> do you not believe in me? Am I not here? Do I not? Am I not a human? 
Because I feel disrespected yeah. at this point. Like you saying, like, my field don't need to be here when I help people all the time. It's not a part of my identity, but it's something that I do. So does that mean that you don't respect my job? I can say I don't care about you being an engineer. How do you feel about that? <laughs> like, how do you feel about that? So I don't, that's, that's, that's really a, a deal breaker for me. But again, I will know that before we even go to the part of partnership. I, and and I, I just get so I, struck by the level of immaturity required to with your mouth say I don't believe in therapy yeah I don't even know and I'm a boldly say that I know people would be like well not everybody and you know you go to church yeah but guess what even though that person is probably not a registered anything that is a therapeutic practice you going to talk to your pastor so what do we talk Mm -hmm. about the levels of immaturity required again I say (laughs) To come out of your mouth and say, I don't believe in therapy, it it I, it, it astounds me. Mm-hmm. It also implies, kind of similar to what we talked about for the first podcast, people, things change all the time. And I think people don't like change. And if a person is saying to you, well, this is just how I am. So that means you think you're going to be this way in 10 years. That's, that's, that's wild. I wouldn't want to be the same person. I'm not the same person I was when I was 30 years old. Mm. I expect some because life is going to be different at every stage. So like for that person who wrote in the letter, I, so then what are you saying to me then? What are you saying to me? You, you like this? You like that there's a, a disconnect? Just so it's clear, you cannot boundary your way out of what does not serve you. Bars. Okay. This next clip is another Dr. B hit where she brings up the imposter syndrome conversation we had in episode four. Right. This is the one where you talked about struggling to achieve wellness when you create from a space fueled by unwellness. I mean, dang. All right. Okay. Okay. I got you. That sounds bleak, but yes. (laughs) Check out this extended convo from when we reviewed couples therapy with Aparna Nancherla. I thought the imposter syndrome conversation was interesting, but has self-doubt ever stopped you? I think I know you and I think you're going to say no. It might, it might slow me down. It's never stopped me though. I, Mm -hmm. (laughs) I don't know how I'm coming across in this episode, but like (laughs) at some point my ego definitely kicks in. I'm very aware of her. She's very strong. And at some point she kicks in aggressively and gets it done. So like, even when I've experienced imposter syndrome, it's like this little thing is telling me all these sorts of things, but it literally never stops me from actually moving forward. It might might make me go a little bit slower or ask more questions just to feel a bit more secure. But for the most part, my ego is usually like, Get up there. We about to do this. <laughs> Can't nobody do this better than you. <laughs> you know who you are? And then I hear my dad in, in the back of my head, like, you got, you come from good stock. And I'd be like, let's go. Let's go. <laughs> so how about you? Has, has self-doubt ever stopped you? It used to limit me, I, I would say, when I was a teenager. Growing up playing tennis, I think it limited me in a in a great way. But 
my mom says she she still says it uh how does she phrase it like my my confidence is so not not that it's surprising but it's like a hidden confidence right like I can rise to the occasion I might be a little shy but if necessary I'll rise to the occasion but even things that I thought that I couldn't really do I ended up completing them right like or I've surpassed a lot I've gotten a lot accomplished and so I've gained confidence with each stage so because I've built such a stronger self relationship it's okay I know I'm anxious I know why I'm anxious what we need to do to get this done mm-hmm. right so there's always a lingering I don't really know how this outcome is going to be but I'm not I'm not afraid to simply try mm-hmm. and I think that that gives me more confidence so at this point it does not stop me because I've accomplished some really big things yeah. uh so uh we self-doubt is in the weeds yeah 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 I think I don't know where that ego came from I don't know if it's my mom I don't know if it's my dad it could be both and I just have it honest but yeah I for the most part even if there's a moment where it's like can we do this it that, that's the thing I don't even know if I would call it self-doubt it's just this moment of just like can we do this and like immediately after that question is asked, it's like, yeah. <laughs> yep. Same. Of course, Same. of course you can. Do you want to do it? That's the question you should be asking. Do you want to do it? Okay, you do? Then go do it. Right. <laughs> no, literally same. And every time I ask myself or if that question pops up, it's like, girl, you've done hard things before. Mm-hmm. This is not the hardest thing that you have to do. So let's let's get it done. Let's just get it done. Yeah. <laughs> I remember talking to a friend telling her like it usually and again I honestly don't know how I'm coming across in this podcast but <laughs> but it really doesn't dawn on me that something is not going to go my way it doesn't dawn on me to the point where like okay this didn't happen what like I get surprised I'm surprised <laughs> like what you mean that I, what you mean it didn't work relatable Genuinely, yeah I surprised (laughs) like I have to and then and then there's a part of me that's like I gotta figure out what just went wrong because I did not see that I did not expect that to happen yeah yeah no I definitely relate uh I don't know if that's again that's just the sequence of events I've not had a lot of like major I don't know how this is going to translate bad things happen in my life so like things have gone right for me for a long time obviously there's been some shortcomings but I'm typically surprised yeah I mean they did talk quite a bit on the pod about um what pushes you through they were joking about like just a a, a message from a kind stranger, a word from a kind stranger that that pushed me through. I don't think I I don't think I've ever gotten so down that I needed something like that. I think that their experience that they detail, Aparna and Naomi detail, is further in the trenches of like depression than I have been. I think I've always on some level been able to even in that depressive state mask enough to continue to to do what I need to do professionally and whether or not I believed in what I was doing at the time was partitioned from my experience it was like it it didn't register because it wasn't a part of what I needed to be doing it's like whatever I'm doing I'm playing a role and that role right now is a professional role 
we're not talking about emotions. We're not talking about whether or not I believe in my ability to do it. We're not talking about whether or not I'm worthy of continuing. It is purely, we have enough energy in us to get up in the morning and perform. And now we're back home and we're going to collapse. Mm. Um, so it's always interesting to me to hear those stories where it's like, no, I literally cannot perform. I have to shut down now and goodbye. Yeah. 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 If, if I have to rise to the occasion, I'm gonna, I'm gonna do it. Even if I don't feel like doing it, if it's something that's required of me, I'll certainly do it. So I've not experienced, like I said, in, in, when I was a teenager, absolutely. Cause I was more talented than I gave myself a chance to see as I was playing tennis growing up. But going to college opened up that, oh no, you can, you can play. You're low key a beast. So I grew more in that way. And that catapulted me to a different level. So I, I truly mean it. If I need to rise to the occasion, I'm gonna do it. Period. Yes. We are so excited to have reached the five episode milestone. Again, we celebrate all wins over here and we'll continue to do so on Pod Club. We hope you got something out of these extended conversations and we'll check out the podcast that we mentioned. If you enjoyed what you heard, make sure you rate and subscribe to Pod Club everywhere you get podcasts. Five stars only, y'all. Don't play. Email us at podclub.podcast at gmail or send a voicemail to 832-919-8075 to give your take on topics discussed or to suggest some podcasts for us to listen to. And don't forget the socials. We are podclub.podcasts on TikTok, IG, and YouTube. And that's all for this week. Happy fifth episode, Brittany. Happy fifth episode, Lauren. (laughs) Tune in on Tuesday. Love you. Mean it. Bye.